Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. Tonight, we are going to conclude our study of the wisdom literature. And the wisdom literature of Scripture reveals to us many things about the nature of God, as we've talked about, and his specific desires for his people. And through this study, we have been reminded in very clear ways that God desires to share with us his infinite wisdom. He is not a mean grump on high with the stick waiting for you and I to mess up and hoping that maybe through trial and error we're going to figure it out. No, the wisdom literature lets us know in all kinds of exciting and endearing ways that God loves us, that he cares about the details of our lives, and he is on our side. He wants to help us. And so it's interesting, though, to consider that the Bible is not just a book of law in history, It isn't just a book of prophecy, but the wisdom books remind us that God is the source of all wisdom. Now, this section of the Bible not only brings to light God's desire towards us, but it also reminds us of our desire towards God. And David does this throughout the Psalms. Phrases like, as the deer pants for water. And I will seek you early, Lord, are not just beautiful phrases that make the word of God more interesting and more colorful, but they also help us identify our desire to be in communion with our creator. And so far, we've studied Job. Pastor Tom gave us a very memorable review of Ecclesiastes and Songs of Solomon. I told him I don't know that I've ever been more embarrassed While he's been speaking, I was chartreuse. I was just dying inside, but it was an excellent lesson. And by the way, he tried to assign that lesson to Dr. Reed. I'll have you know. And while we know she is the sum of all wisdom, I intervened and said, you cannot do that. She does not deserve that. Sister Reed, not any woman, in my opinion, should have to speak on Songs of Solomon publicly. That's just my opinion, but I stuck to it, and I prevailed. Sister Reed, I love you so much. It was my gift to you (laughs) and to myself, because my name was not on the table, obviously. But um, I want to thank Andrew Shirley for a wonderful lesson on the book of Psalms last week. And so um, tonight is our final installment, as we have said. But we began this series with learning a new Hebrew word for wisdom. Does anybody remember what it was? Chokmah. Chokmah is the Hebrew word for wisdom. And it means much more than intellectual knowledge. The Hebrew form of wisdom implies skill, not just possessing wisdom or the know-how, but using it correctly. According to God's definition, wisdom is much more than just knowing something in theory. Wisdom is the use of that knowledge in a way that protects the people of God and pleases God. And so this skill of wisdom the Bible promises us is something that if we lack 
about anything for any reason, all we have to do, James tells us, is ask. And God will give it to us liberally. And so if we need this skill of wisdom, and I think that through this study, we have probably been reminded of that in one way or another. We have a God who loves us and wants to give us that wisdom. According to the Bible Project, in Hebrew thought, our journey towards wisdom must begin with the fear of the Lord. And this is very important for us to remember as we come to our last book of study tonight. And this does not mean that we are afraid of God, but rather it is a healthy respect for him, for his authority in our lives, and specifically for how he defines what is good and what is evil. Reverence towards God, this is very important for us to understand. Reverence towards God is the starting block of all wisdom. And you don't need me to tell you this, but for the sake of our study, let me say it anyway. We live in a society that lacks wisdom. About the simplest, most basic things of life and what it means to be a human being. Their philosophies and worldviews are foolish. And that is what we see every day. And it is simply because they do not reverence or respect the God who made all of us. They do not define evil and good as he defines evil and good. And so all of their attempts to better themselves in this world are foolish. And they will not have any wisdom because they do not fear the Lord. In fact, it reminds me of what James warns us that whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. We will not fit in this world because they don't fear God and we're supposed to. Our values will never line up. And as believers, everything from our politics to our opinions should be centered around this fear of the Lord. And so tonight, I'm going to invite my friend, Max Grubbs, to come and help me. Yes, you can give him a hand. This year, we are... Uh... Sorry, can you turn me back on for a second? Yes, we are studying selected Proverbs. And this material is especially challenging, isn't it, Maximus? It's not like the Gospel of Mark that we studied last year where there's people and places and times and a storyline to go off of. No, it's all of these, these random thoughts, if you will. But we've had some good devotions trying to, to study with a bunch of teenagers the importance of the book of Proverbs and how it can help us live our lives. But I just want to say, since he's the only one up here, and I can, that Maximus is the man as far as Bible quizzing is concerned. He has been a quizzer for many years, but this is his first year as a senior quizzer, and it's a big adjustment, isn't it, Max? Yes, amen. But Max already learned, has already learned, and he's not finished yet, he's already learned about 330 verses from the book of Proverbs and 1 Kings. And so I honor him for that commitment. He's the captain of our intermediate team, which means he is not only a leader behind the board, but he is a great example to our team. And so I have asked him to quote for you our selected verses from Proverbs chapter 8. Are you ready, Max? All right. Do you want me to say the verse number or are you good? Um, Do you want me to like 
Eight yeah, okay. I do. Okay. Does wisdom not cry and understanding put forth her voice? Eight two. She standeth at the top of high places by the way in the places of the past. Are you on? Nope. You turned it off. Wisdom not cry and understanding put her voice. Standeth in the top of high places by the And at the doors, eight four, unto you, O men, I call, and my voices unto the sons of men. Eight five, O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye heart. Talk louder. Eight six, hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. Eight seven, for my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Eight eight, all the words of my mouth there is nothing perverse or perverse in. And knowledge rather than choice. There you are. 811. For wisdom. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. 812. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. 813. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride and arrogancy, and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. 814. Counsel is mine, and some wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. Amen. 8.15, by me, kings reign, and princes decree justice. By 8.16, by me, princes rule, and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. 8.17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. 8.18, riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. 8.19, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold. And my revenue rather than choice silver. 820, I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of judgment. 821. That I may cause. That I may cause those that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. 822, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his works before, in the beginning of his way before his works of old. 823, I was set up from the, I was set up from everlasting from the beginning or ever the earth was. 833, Hear my instruction, and be wise, and refuse it not. 834, blessed is the man that hears me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. 835, for whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. 836, for he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. Give him a hand. That was awesome, Max. Thank you very much. Amazing, right? Time well spent, win or lose. Amen. Bible quizzing is a worthy investment. Max, you can, go to, you can go to youth service. They're outside. I don't want you to miss that. But thank you for helping us. Amen. And so Jeremy Painter, the author of our handbook on wisdom literature, says this about the book of Proverbs. After having fully tested the seaworthiness of the fear of I am on the stormy sea of Job, The reader is now ready to see how the fear of the I am plays out in everyday life. And so, though Proverbs can be a challenging book to read, especially in King James English, if we're honest, we are assured of its motive and practicality. Wisdom calls out to the children of God. 
Wisdom, though challenging to our finite carnal minds, is intended by God to teach us how to live, not just in God's favor, but in his blessing. Amen. According to the Bible project, wisdom is not law, meaning it is not thou shall or thou shalt not. Wisdom is not prophecy or thus saith the Lord. But wisdom is the accumulated insight of God's people through generations. Wisdom is not meant to be a mystery. Not to the people of God. In God's plan for you and I, wisdom is not aloof. Much like God's will, God's wisdom is not only available to us, but is also much more accessible to us than we often realize. In his introduction, King Solomon assures his readers that God is trying to speak to you and I through wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 20, wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse in the openings of the gates in the city. She uttereth her words saying, how long? You simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from fear of evil. And so, based on the language that wisdom is using in these verses, it seems reasonable to assume that the voice of wisdom is also the voice of God in our lives. Wisdom says, I will pour out my spirit unto you. Wisdom promises, I will make known my words unto you. God wants to speak with us. He wants to help us. And the way he does that is through a relationship with him. God's word is meant to be much more than just head knowledge, but it's to be in our hearts. And this is the power of Pentecost. This is what they were celebrating in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. The feast of Pentecost commemorated Moses receiving the law from God on Sinai on tables of stone. And isn't it powerful to understand that it's during this time that God pours out his spirit for the very first time. Why? Because his word was no longer going to be limited to tables of stone. But according to the prophecy, it was going to now be written on our hearts. In one of my favorite books, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. Do I have any other fans here? Yes, I knew you would be, Jake. My favorite books, Aslan the lion is killed on the stone table. There's a scene from the movie. It is epic. And when Lucy and Susan find the table cracked and broken with no sign of Aslan, it is a powerful illustration of the fact that because Jesus is risen, we too can walk in newness of life. We were made for more than a cold, academic connection to God. We were made to live a life of resurrection power that is fueled by our intimate connection to him. This understanding is so vital vital that Solomon repeats it many times in the book of Proverbs. Max quoted it for us in Proverbs 8. Doth not wisdom cry? 
And understanding put forth her voice. She standeth in the top of high places by the way in the places of the path. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in, at the doors. Jesus is calling to us, Calvary, to live a life that he died to make possible, a life that is abundant. Amen. And so let us quickly give an overview of this amazing collection of wise sayings. Now, I know I've already mentioned the Bible Project, but this is a wonderful series to bring it up again. That the Bible Project is a, a website, an organization that creates powerful, very usable resources for people like you and I who are not theologians or scholars full time. They make videos that give overviews of books like Proverbs and give a very simple breakdown. The illustrations are beautiful. They have devotionals available to you through the YouVersion app. How many have the YouVersion app on your phone? Praise God for the YouVersion app. Look for devotions by the Bible Project. You will enjoy them so much. And so I'm going to give you a few points on the book of Proverbs itself. The first being that a proverb is a short, clever saying that offers wisdom in some way. Someone put it this way, and I think it's very clever. Proverbs are short sentences drawn from long experiences. There are approximately 513 proverbs in this book. Proverbs also contains poems about wisdom that are found in the outer sections of the book. So Proverbs chapters 1 through 9 is a collection of poems about wisdom. And then Proverbs chapters 30 and 31 are another collection of poems about wisdom. The author is clearly King Solomon, David's son. In fact, you might find it interesting that Proverbs is the first book in the Bible to introduce the author to us right away. Although Solomon didn't write all of the Proverbs, he is the beginning of Israel's wisdom tradition, and that is why he is credited with them. It is believed that Solomon wrote over 3,000 Proverbs. He wrote Proverbs and poems. History tells us that he even collected knowledge about plants and animals. What a guy. Wisdom that came from God made him a lifelong learner. And I think that that is profound for us to understand. That it is foolish to assume we know everything or that we already know all that we need to know. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, certainly didn't feel that way. As far as the date that it is written, it's unclear when exactly these Proverbs were written. Solomon ruled Israel from 971 to 931 B.C., and we know that some of these Proverbs were written before Solomon's reign. But what I believe is most important for you and I to understand about the timing of these writings and this collection that Solomon brought together is for us to note that Solomon wrote and compiled the contents of the book of wisdom before his heart turned away from God. And I think this is very compelling for us because we know that Proverbs contains great insight into moral purity. The part of Solomon's life that became his demise. And so the tragedy, in my opinion, is that this insight that Solomon had into moral purity was God-given. 
People probably spoke into Solomon's life about this very thing. We know he collected these sayings. But as is often the case, Solomon knew the folly that would result from his choices. And yet he chose poorly anyway. Provides a sober warning to you and I. My next point is that the book tells a story. Of a young man starting out in life, Dr. Vernon McGee explains Proverbs this way. This young man must choose a school to attend, the school of wisdom or the school for fools. And finally, it's important for us to understand how we should read Proverbs. Proverbs are probabilities, not promises. This is a very important distinction for us. Proverbs speaks more in generalities. It deals with the rules, but not the exceptions. And so this is why we need all of the wisdom books working together to speak to all of these things. Not just to the rules, but to the exception to the rules. It's like every part of the scripture, like the gospels, all working together to give us a more complete understanding, a more complete picture of who God is and what he wants in our lives. And so before we go to app time tonight, I wanted to give you a short highlight reel of some of the main themes of this amazing book. It's a short list, so don't get overwhelmed because I know Proverbs has a lot to say about a lot of different things. So I just picked four, okay? (sighs) Okay, can breathe. But like I said, one of the challenging aspects about Proverbs for Bible quizzing purposes is there is no storyline, but there are lots of subjects like morality, money, family, integrity, work, Discipline, honesty, and so on. Again, proving God's interest in every part of who we are. And so the variety of topics Proverbs covers proves once again that living for God should impact every part of our lives. Proverbs removes all excuses and all assumptions. Otherwise, God cares about everything in our lives. And so Proverbs tells us that if we live our lives according to the fear of God and wisdom, things will generally go well for you and I. But Proverbs gives clear warning that if we do things our own way, things will not go well for us in any of these important areas of life. And so my four themes I want to present to you tonight, number one is the fear of the Lord. All that is good and right begins by defining good and evil the way that God defines it. Amen. The book defines the fear of the Lord in some of the following ways. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of both knowledge and wisdom. The fear of the Lord, according to Proverbs, is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Praise God. The fear of the Lord is better than treasure. And my personal favorite, the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Amen. Number two, our second theme tonight to consider is wisdom's value. Throughout the book of Proverbs, we are made to know that of all the things that we could pursue or possess in life, nothing is more valuable to us 
than wisdom itself. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Wow. Number three. Our third theme, the importance of godly counsel in our lives. Two times, Proverbs warns that there is a way that seems right to us, but the end of that way are the ways of death. Proverbs 16 verse 25 is one of those verses. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That's a sober warning. We cannot trust our own judgment. The Bible assures us of that. Also two times, Proverbs tells us that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. We are not meant to walk alone. And that's the good news. We don't have to walk alone. Proverbs 11 verse 14, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Can anybody testify with me that a multitude of counselor has provided a safe place for you in scary moments of your life, in times of uncertainty, when you wanted to do the right thing and you didn't know what it was? God gives counsel to his people. Amen. I am so thankful for that. And lastly, Proverbs warns us against indifference. Now give me just a moment to explain. I think most of us are aware of the fact that Proverbs has a lot to say about our work ethic and personal discipline. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, go to the ant, thou sluggard. I love quoting these verses to my kids. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Wake up your kids this way. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? But the Bible lets us know in no uncertain terms the personal responsibility that we have in our lives. Wisdom leads us to a disciplined lifestyle. And that visual, that illustration of the ant is so powerful because the Proverbs point out to us, nobody tells the ant to get up. Nobody tells the ant how to do her job. She just does it. This is a frequent sermon in our house. Now that we have a tween, a preteen, and a teen, guys, Please pray that we all survive this season of our lives. But I'm going to rock your world, as mine was rocked this afternoon, to understand that the word sloth, (laughs) such a great word, such a great animal. The word sloth in the book of Proverbs does not mean what you and I assume that it means. Pull your toes in. This might hurt a little bit. But the word for sloth, the Greek word, is not limited to physical laziness. 
The Greek word akedia refers to dejection, discouragement, depression, the absence of hope itself. All of these things can be summed up in an I don't care attitude. These were forbidden words in the house that I grew up in, you guys. God help you if you said you didn't care in our house as a reason or an excuse to not do what was expected of you. Nothing lit the bishop's fire like I can't or I don't care. We weren't allowed to say can't in our house. It was a four-letter word, wasn't it, Mom? And if we said we can't, we would be punished because it was a lie. That's what dad would say. You're being punished for lying because you said you can't. It is a lie. These sermons that we heard often, as you can imagine, I can't and I don't care was said a lot in a house full of girls. Many tears were shed during these sermons and these altar moments at 6613 San Mateo Drive. But how we needed each one, because it's in human nature to just give up, to be apathetic on our own. And the Bible is letting us know, not just here, but throughout Proverbs, that our words, our thoughts, our attitudes are weighty in our lives. It is Proverbs that warns us, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Coach Megan's favorite verse, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Proverbs warns us again and again to guard our hearts, to guard our thoughts, to guard our speech, because they all matter to an all-wise, all-knowing God who wants to help us. Get out of our own pit and challenge our stinking thinking to live the life that he intends for us. Wisdom tells us you better be careful what you think and what you say and the attitude that you allow yourself to live with. Amen. And so tonight for app time, I have a question that I think is going to be fun. It might be hard, but I think it's going to be fun. What is your favorite verse in Proverbs and why? What is your favorite verse in Proverbs?
All right. I would have loved to have heard some of these. Sister Carol and I brought up only by pride cometh contention. Mm, yes. Every proverb is like a mic drop moment. You know what I mean? It's like a power-packed message in one or two lines. It's incredible. And then um, pride goeth before fall was what Sister Sister Stewart said. And I thought, oh man, wow, yes, how true it is. Uh, stand with me, if you will. I want to read the lyrics of a very old song to you tonight because I feel like it is the heart of God to us as we consider the wisdom literature and its place in our lives. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. I'd stay in the garden with him, though the night around me is falling. But he bids me go through the voice of woe. His voice to me is calling. How many of you love that old song? Amazing memories of people I love associated with that song. But one of the ways... That Jesus' voice calls to us, I believe, is through wisdom. Because he is the source of it. Wisdom begins by fearing and revering him. Wisdom is not found in our opinions. It isn't found in social media or blogs of so-called influencers. We have an incredible resource at our disposal every day. And it's located somewhere on your phone, just like those other apps are. Jesus, help us. It's not even found solely through our life experience. But wisdom is a part of who the I am is. And I believe that one of the unique challenges of the modern church is that there are more voices calling out to us than ever before. We are not just busier and more stressed than other generations, but we are also much more distracted than previous generations. We are distracted from hearing this voice of God, this voice of wisdom that is ready to help us when we're ready to listen. And so I bring us back to that old hymn because of the powerful reminder that it is that Jesus wants to walk with you and I. That's why we have the wisdom literature. He wants to be more than your power source to get charged up for the rest of the week on Sunday morning. We need more than a buck and a shout in a worship service to get us through living in this evil, dark world. And so the Bible tells us wisdom cries. She's crying in the streets, in the chief places, meaning she can be found very easily. In the secret moments, Jesus is reaching for you and I. He wants to teach us how to live our lives every day. And so we need to turn to the word of God before we turn to anything else. Before we search Google, Before we scroll to see what our favorite Christian influencer has to say about the latest news. 
We need to answer the call of God from his heart to ours because he wants that kind of in the garden relationship with you and I. But we won't hear wisdom call. We will not hear his voice if we're turning and listening to everything and everyone else instead. And so I say that to you because I feel like that is the heart of God, even in a book like Proverbs that can be very intimidating and even a little confusing if you're only reading it in the King James translation. Because when you dig into what those things mean, what I hear God saying as I hear these quizzers quote almost every day is, I care about you. I don't want your life to be a mess. I don't want you to live your life foolishly. I don't want you to have to just trial and error your way through life. That's why I'm here. That's why you have my word, not just because it's a book of history, not just because it contains all the do's and don'ts of the law, not just because it's full of prophecy to tell you what's ahead and what to expect, but the wisdom literature of scripture is there so that you and I understand better in a more personal, everyday, relatable way who God is and what his will is for our lives And so would you just take a moment with me to pray and say, God, help me, help me secure that garden time with you every day that you are the one that I turn to first. Will you pray with me? Lord, I love you and I thank you that you are a personable God. You walked with Adam and Eve, Lord, at the very beginning, Lord, of creation. You were there with humanity, and that is your desire. And though we don't live in Eden anymore, God, you paid a great price to get us back to that place of communion and relationship with you. And so, God, I pray for all of us. We need wisdom to live in this world. You said for us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And God, sometimes just watching the news, it can be overwhelming to figure out what are we supposed to do in a world that is so dark and so unlike everything that we hold to be true. God, I pray that the wisdom that you promised us, Lord, would not just be available to us, but that we would realize how accessible, how needful it is in our lives. That we don't just have to hear your wisdom through the mouth of others, but you, Lord, can impart your wisdom to us in those private moments of desperation when we need an answer and we need it quickly. And so, God, we take you at your word, and I pray, Lord, that as we go through our week, that you would nudge us in moments of fear or uncertainty to know that you have the answers and that you are willing to share them with us. We love you, and we thank you for this blessed assurance of your presence that we have, and we believe your word is true for us. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, 
and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.